Hey, welcome to episode 61 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and, and let's start off by talking about the Arizona Coyotes, who are looking to re-sign head coach Andre Torgany as the franchise's coach going into next year. And Torgany has really been the best coach that the Arizona franchise has had, argumentatively. I know some people might say there's been a few others like Rick Tockett and things like that, but he has really been the best head coach that the organization has had. There's really a sense of purpose and cohesion that players have that really has not been there before. He really seems to have meshed well with and is well connected to the actual players, which is really important these days. And there doesn't seem to be anybody looking over their shoulders with any kind of attitude or underhanded type agenda and things like that, which has also got to be extremely refreshing for the players. Well, the arbitration process has kicked into full gear and tried Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender Ilya Samsonov has been awarded a one-year contract at $3.55 million per season after being significantly apart as the club was offering $2.4 million and the player, of course, wanted $4.9. So that offer falls right in between those two numbers, which theoretically probably makes both parties happy as the organization had to pay less than the player wanted, but the player got more than the organization was actually offering. Though it will stabilize goaltending for the upcoming season, one has to wonder if Samsonov sees himself in Toronto long term. That seems to be a real issue for players right now as so much money is already tied up in Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and others, which of course multiple players will need new contracts this year, such as Austin Matthews and William Nylander. I have a feeling Toronto's going to lose Nylander. I just don't see them being able to get him in under the cap, and I don't think he's going to be one of those players that's like, okay, well, I'll give you a hometown discount. I'll take a lot less money. He wants to be paid. And having come off a 40-goal season, I think he's earned the right to be paid. There's a lot of players that want to be paid before they earn it. William Nylander has actually earned the amount of money he's looking for. And as the summer drags on, of course, so does the Eric Carlson situation with the San Jose Sharks, which it's been confirmed that he has had, or at least his agent has had, conversations with the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Seattle Kraken, and the Carolina Hurricanes, not to be left out, of course, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just don't see any way the Maple Leafs can actually fit him into the salary cap, they would have to make a substantial trade or there would have to be substantial retainment on San Jose's part of the current contract of defenseman Eric Carlson for that to work. Carolina seems like it would be a great team. The only problem is they already have enough defensemen and also Brent Burns, a former defenseman of the San Jose Sharks there, who kind of left for the reason to be able to be the man, the guy, the power play guy. And I don't think that's going to create any goodwill, if you will, if Carlson returns to a team that he's a member of. I don't think Brent Burns is going to be all that happy about that. So there's a lot to be said for organizations not wanting to disrupt chemistry. Generally, they're looking to make trades to enhance talent and enhance chemistry, not make it worse. 
So that leaves two other teams. That leaves the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Seattle Kraken. And in the case of the Penguins, they're very much in a mode right now. All for one, one for all, one last shot to give Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang a swan song, if you will, on the way out and a real legitimate shot at winning the Stanley Cup. And just imagine what Letang and Carlson would look like on the power play as the defenseman. That'd be downright scary. No question about that at all. So it makes total sense why he would be rumored to be heading to the Penguins as they're looking to make one last-ditch effort before they totally rip that apart and rebuild the team. Speaking of which, Kyle Dubas must really love pressure because he was already facing a significant amount of pressure in Toronto with the re-signings of Austin Matthews and William Nylander and a very tight-capped situation. That pressure may actually pale in comparison to what he will be under when the Sidney Crosby days come to an end because it is very much in the viewable future and can be readily seen that those days are coming to a close soon and that pressure is going to have to be relentless as the Pittsburgh fan base obviously is enjoyed very much. Mario Lemieux immediately followed by Sidney Crosby they've had a lot of success a lot of winning a lot of tradition for a long time now which usually makes those kind of cities very intolerant to well we're gonna really be bad we're gonna suck actually for the better part of the next decade so just kind of deal with it and get used to it fans they're not really open to things like that most cities aren't but they're definitely not gonna be so I think Pittsburgh is going to be a much more legitimate option than the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, like I've said, have already got cap issues that they're dealing with. They've got to re-sign Austin Matthews and William Nylander. They've brought in a new general manager in Brad Treeliving, who's already basically rebuilt the bottom half of the offense with a lot more grit and sandpaper, as they like to say, which hopefully will give Toronto a lot more challenges to play against or to be played against, because it seemed like... A Although I'm not a big fan of this particular saying that people have, they just seemed really soft and really just seemed to have a team that couldn't go to the distance and was just zero energy left on the roster. So tree living has already added a lot of grit, a lot of energy players, players that will hopefully be able to free up the stars, maybe let them get a little less physically worn down so that everybody can have a hell of a lot longer playoff run. And who knows, maybe even able to win the Stanley Cup for the first time since 1967. But Tree Living's challenges are not over just yet. In addition to those challenges with the contracts of the players I already mentioned, he's also made some coaching staff changes by adding former coach John Gruden has been named the head coach of the Toronto Marlies. Guy Boucher and Mike Van Ryan have been added to the Leafs coaching staff, which kind of makes you have to wonder with Sheldon Keefe if he should be let go sometime due to the team not producing it. I don't think it's certainly going to be a lack of effort on his part. I think players will check out as some players do and no longer listen to him. Has to make you wonder if Guy Boucher is maybe kind of like a safety net. That being said, though, if you look at Guy Boucher's career, although I thought he was a phenomenal junior coach, I thought he was a great coach with the Hamilton Bulldogs when that was Montreal's minor league team in the AHL. The pro game and team and players haven't really responded well to him. He seems to have a three-year life cycle at best, and then pretty much gets tuned out by all the players. So I would have to wonder if his hiring will be based on Sheldon Keefe 
If he's let go, Boucher steps in and finishes that season, and then he's out of there as well, because Toronto will then have, from the beginning onward, of an offseason to look for who they really want behind the bench if Sheldon Keefe isn't that coach. I think Sheldon Keefe has been a great coach. I think he's brought a refreshing coaching style. I think he reaches the players really well. I think everybody gets along with him player-wise. I don't think there's any relational issues like there seems to be with a lot of coaches. Maybe some types of coaches that are sitting there going, just do it my way, don't even ask questions. He's not that kind of coach. So it'll be interesting to see whether the next change is a roster change or a coaching change because you can only make so many coaching changes. Eventually, you got to do something with the players. And if the chemistry's not there, if there's just the wrong style, something isn't working, sometimes it's the players that you have to make changes with. So they've already done that by bringing in Max Domi. Tyler Bertuzzi came in from Boston. John Klingberg is there. So there's your power play, cannon, wrist shot, and things like that. You've got a little bit more grit with people like Ryan Reeves. They've even bought in a defenseman who's kind of been a journey defenseman. Started in Edmonton, made his way to Montreal, and then got um, released as a free agent, William Lagenson. So they've brought in a number of players. Hopefully that will make the changes necessary that Sheldon Keith gets the respect that he should as a coach by people playing better. Because there was definitely some roster issues last year. I don't think any problems on the team or how long they've gone into the playoffs to this point has had anything to do with Sheldon Keith. I'm sure there'd be other people that would disagree with that, but I don't think there's any coaching issue in Toronto right now. I think it's been a roster chemistry issue more than anything else. But getting back Back to the status of defenseman Eric Carlson. I think the best fit for him in the end might just be Seattle. Seattle could use a solid offensive point man on the power play for defense. He could run the defensive show. He'd have a lot more freedom than he's going to have anywhere else. Seattle has quickly established themselves much quicker than a lot of people thought they were going to as a legit team. So Seattle beat teams this year to get deeper into the Stanley Cup playoffs than anybody thought they were going to, on top of the fact that they already made the playoffs and had a 100-point season this year, which very few gave them the chance of actually succeeding in doing. So Seattle could be a legitimate fit for Eric Carlson. He might have a lot more freedom and ability to do things, which could even bolster his arm already impressive numbers statistically from last season even more so that he may have on any other team now the wild card in all of this but this team is going to have the same issue that the toronto maple leafs have is the edmonton oilers wouldn't carlson look great on the point with Connor mcdavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and other players on the offense on the Edmonton power play. It would make that team's power play even more dangerous than it already is. Again, the problem is salary cap. So they're going to have to move out several players in order for that to happen. That's just not going to happen without some serious roster tinking. And the current coaching staff, along with the general manager and his staff, seem to be pretty happy. Kenny Holland seems to be pretty happy happy with the status of the Edmonton Oilers roster, so I'm not sure how much they're in a shake-up mode right now when they finally made a lot of the expected progress last year in the playoffs that they've been expecting to make for a number of years now. So it's going to be really interesting to see where Eric Carlson ends up, and it would not be surprising at all to see if he's still in San Jose at the beginning of next season because they couldn't move him. Unfortunately, there were a couple of teams this year I think got bitten by the greed bug in San Jose was one of them. They had substantial offers before the playoffs started. 
and before the trade deadline ended, that would have netted them, in some cases, multiple first-round picks, they decided to stand still and, oh, we'll get a better offer in the offseason. I think they're going to regret that, just like John Klingberg still has to regret to this day not signing that multi-million, multi-year deal with Dallas that was just either over or under $7 million a season. He saw himself as a 9 or $10 million player, and now he played last year for a million, and I don't know what his new contract was, but I'll bet it wasn't 7 or $8 million with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. Unfortunately, Montreal was one of those other teams that held on to players such as Joel Edmondson way too long. They actually had first-round offers in the late round or at least second-round picks, and now they ended up getting a third and seven this offseason when they sent him to the Washington Capitals. Sometimes you might have to trade somebody, even though you're trying to be greedy, you might want to trade them when the best offers are out there because it can come back to bite you hard, and it did to both those teams on those players without a doubt. Well, in player retirement news, former Montreal Canadian Nate Thompson has announced his retirement after 15 years in the NHL. He's one of those guys that came from the bottom of the ranks all the way to the top. He was one of those guys like Martin St. Louis. People kept telling him he couldn't, he won't make it, all those kinds of things. And he's like, well, now I just got to do it to prove you wrong. And he did. He had a hell of a career. In other news, General Manager Jim Nill of the Dallas Stars has signed a two-year contract extension. Can't imagine the organization had any desire to see him leave or go anywhere else as he's one of the most well-respected general managers in the league and has been very impressive as a general manager, building that club, keeping that club consistent, having tremendous drafts as that organization is known for, and as he continues to bring the talent through the organizational pipelines. And on that note, that'll wrap up Episode 61 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back with episode 62 before you know it. Thanks again.